This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by the Nudge Podcast, hosted by Phil Agnew and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. You can learn the science behind great marketing with bite-sized 20-minute episodes packed with practical advice from admired marketers and behavioral scientists. Nudge is a fast-paced but still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. A recent issue talked about the, the idea of getting your customers, your prospects in the habit of buying from you or listening to you or following you, habit-based marketing. Download Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is McKenna Swayze. Her global marketing career has spanned the spectrum of startups to corporates. Her own management experience leading teams around the world has provided the foundation for her speaking and coaching around a structured approach to this new world of remote first work that we all live in today. She's also the author of a new book we're going to talk about, How to Win Friends and Manage Remotely. So McKenna, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm delighted to be here. So I was so happy to see that right off the bat, you let hard news right out of the bag that leadership is actually self-development. <laughs> It's a lot about you, not you, me. Who is it? It's about everyone. It is about everyone. But you know, you can't do anything if you don't get your own house in order. And particularly as a leader, and I think when we think about moving to remote or hybrid work, like if you let culture, and I don't mean like culture with a capital C, but like the culture of the way we do our work, if you let it bubble up from the bottom, how we use Slack, sure. how we comment on documents, how we share workspaces, like you may end up with something that you don't like so as a leader you need to like be thoughtful about what it is you like check with the team make sure that yeah. you know it works you're not a dictator but yeah it really like it, it takes some thoughtful you know some me time to sit and think with what would be good yeah so so what's the biggest thing that you found people struggling with particularly people that just maybe their entire career has been bring the team in together we all meet we have our one-on-ones you know i mean the kind of normal stuff what's been the biggest or maybe the hardest challenge for them to keep that relationship, that engagement, you know, going. Yeah. I think the, well, the biggest problem is that throughout the earlier parts of the pandemic, I think you have some fatigue, right? With like, I don't know, happy hour over Zoom. That is actually a terrible experience, <laughs> but it was what it was. It was what we had. And now we're left with like, well, that's not a good solution, but then what? And I think you're seeing some companies and some industries build up like really good ways to connect virtual and hybrid teams, but I don't know that's super commonplace yet. Obviously in a, an idealized world, even if you had a hundred percent remote team, you're going to get together in person. There is no substitute for that, for the kind of work that requires, you know, a lot of interpersonal effort and teamwork. Yeah. So what do you think is, what, what have we lost? And again, I don't mean like the bonding and the stuff like that, but I just mean from like a leader's ability to have impact, what have we lost? Well, I think on a very technical level, so they said, they, academics say that 97% right. of what, what we are communicating when we're speaking to someone is not the words coming out of our mouth. Obviously on Zoom, I can see your facial expression, but we all know that's not moving as quickly as the human eye can adapt. The audio quality is 
different. It's coming directly. It's not a 360 degree audio. So that's different, particularly when you're in a group setting, you're not catching things the way you would. So you just actually have less information to use to get along with people. You're used to having let's say 10 times as much information. So that's, I think, what we've lost. And that makes it difficult. And I bet you we really underestimate like uh, the person playing around with their pen, sending the signal that uh, get to the point, would you? Right? We miss all that, right? Yeah, Uh, exactly. So do we need to adapt to that? In other words, do we need a new set of visual (laughs) cues that we get good at sending if this is all we got? I do think that you know, being very cognizant and practicing and paying more attention. And it, you know, it becomes second nature with time, but in the beginning saying, you know, am I getting, am I getting any tells from you, the equivalent of the pen clicking and particularly for ones that might be like not annoyance, but like, Oh, you seem a little blue today. Do I follow up later and check in, you know, in a, in a, in a way that feels respectful and with the appropriate space and see if I was right and start building up, you know, I think, people camera on versus camera off. It means different things to different people. So you're building up information that tells you, okay, she has her camera off today. What does that mean? Usually for we have a hundred years of normal office behavior expectations. We do not have a hundred years of normal zoom office expectations. You know, I find myself, the one I fall into that I have to like intentionally remind myself is, you know, you'd come to a meeting together, everybody's getting their chair and you say, what'd you do this weekend? You know, and in Zoom call, it's like, let's get down to business, you know, and I really find myself having to stop and, and, you know, not just like, how are you, you know, kind of thing, but really try to, I think it's, I think it gets at what you were talking about. You seem a little blue. I mean, we picked that up from just the casual conversation, don't we? Exactly. And it's building context and learning out how to build that context zoom only. That's, yeah. you know, how they look, that's how they sound. Uh, and it's not, it's much more subtle than in person, right? Because I only have your face and maybe some hand gestures. I don't have your toe tapping, right. your arms crossed. I don't, you know, I always say, you know, in the office, if you heard someone fighting with their mother-in-law on the phone, or they've spilled a cup of coffee down their shirt, you have pretty much all the context you need to react to their emotions. Right. But when you show up in that Zoom call, if I don't ask how you are, and if you aren't comfortable being, you know, relatively honest with me, I don't have any context for why you might be moody or ebullient or anything. So are there some things that you see people doing that we would never do in person on Zoom? Like, I I mean, I see people all the time. They're clearly doing three things. (laughs) Yes, doing three things. So I've been guilty of that in a real meeting too. So yes, I do think that we have this idea that video on implies presence and therefore you can go look at your email or whatever. I almost think that video on has done us a disservice because it might be easier to process just auditorially only. The eating thing is really hard because in real life, you might have eaten a sandwich in front of someone in a meeting. Like that's, I used to do that all the time or sitting next to someone in the office, as long as it, you know, wasn't tuna fish. And now it's, I think it's pretty inappropriate on a zoom call. It's disgusting actually. (laughs) So I think that, you know, just figuring out for some people that's obvious and some people it's not obvious and they probably have to be told and which is, you know, sort of the crux of my book is like, let's think about the situations where we need to think about the etiquette. We can come up with it as a team. What platforms do we use and, you know, what bugs people and what is really working for them so that if you don't get it, someone can, in a nice way, say, that's not like really the way we do things. You know, that's a really great point, because I think that maybe over time, some of those written or unwritten things have 
taken hold in organizations, but now everybody's just winging it or feels mm-hmm. like they're winging it. And nobody has sat down and said, here's how we do a Zoom meeting. That's a really great point. Yeah, it's. I think the etiquette probably has to be spelled out for the platforms. You know, I've worked in companies where we've used project management software like Asana or Jira or whatever. And it's another place where you can really, people can, some people are passive aggressive, maybe intentionally, maybe not. Some people tag too many people. They don't tag enough. They put too much information, too little. And you need an etiquette. You need a, this is what good looks like. This is how we, you know, this is who you tag, who you don't tag. And this is true when you're working on the same document, you know, commenting on a Google doc with someone. So many opportunities where we don't have enough time for people to have learned passively how you ought to behave. So we have to be a little bit more like, uh, gosh, I can't remember the opposite of passive. We have to be a little bit more prescriptive about how you should behave in these environments. Well, and I guess some organizations don't do this, but a lot of organizations have certainly prescriptive about how a meeting runs. So it's kind of the same thing we've been picking on or talking about um, (laughs) Zoom a lot, but a lot of people are doing a lot more communication via email or heaven forbid the dang Slack channel that's taken over email. I know that anytime I try to make a joke in an email and it's somebody that doesn't know me very well, it completely balls. So (laughs) how do we, you know, how do we make sure that, you know, short of the smiley emoji, you know, how do we make sure that we are not being misunderstood in that. And even if we're just trying to communicate, hey, I just need you to do X, Y, Z. You know, honestly, I don't know why you would say short of the smiley emoji. I think emojis are actually really useful. Yes, I know that there's this idea that Gen Z uses them differently than millennials and everyone uses them differently, but everyone also kind of understands the basic ones. A wink means that I didn't mean that seriously. A smile means that I mean that kindly. I think- And this heaven knows what that means. A lot of things. It means a lot of things. (laughs) But I mean, it's pretty easy, generally speaking, to parse out. Like, will you do this? Thumbs up? Yes, I will. Thumbs down is more confusing. I won't. I don't want to. I don't know. Well, what Um, what about the rocket ship though? The rocket ship. Okay. <laughs> well, again, back to, you know, it might in some organizations be helpful to yeah, use yeah. like a dictionary so we can say, yeah. I, like, let's spell it out. This is what we mean by sarcasm. Like, put yeah. it in parentheses and say sarcasm if you need to, because you don't have that context. I think that really is, I think, the solution to find ways to spell out that you're being humorous. Right. And again, it's back to what I said before in an ideal world, like you shouldn't be relying only on email if you're trying to create real bonds and move things forward because it can be really hard to yeah. understand jokes and particularly if you're working across cultures or, oh, right. I mean, there's so many ways that you can just like, you know, stick your foot in it. And if you know someone, you know, that was never their intention, but if you don't know them, you don't have enough to go on. Yeah, we could do a whole show on diversity and communication, couldn't mm-hmm. we? Yeah, no question. And now let's hear from a sponsor. You know, today everybody's online, but are they finding your website? Grab the online spotlight and your customers' attention with SEMrush. From content and SEO to ads and social media, SEMrush is your one-stop shop for online marketing. Build, manage, and measure campaigns across all channels faster and easier. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Get seen? Get SEMrush. Visit SEMrush, that's S-E-M-Rush.com slash go to try it free for seven days. So we've been talking about eh, tactics, really. Let's get to the heart of your book, which is really the core skill, I think. And that's listening and empathy, because that's really what all this comes down to. Is yeah. And I think so. Uh, digital empathy is this term that I, you know, I'm not the first one to use it, but I've really hung my hat on it. 
And it's really the idea of, and it's what we've talked about, figuring out how to take the innate human skills, because this is like really wired into our lizard brain. Like, can I read your facial expressions? Do I understand what emotion you're Are you going to hurt me? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Are you going to kill me or are we going to break bread? (laughs) And to figure out how to put that in place in a digital first world. And so something like the emoji is actually like really a part of that. What are we going to use to be able to communicate in a way that conveys our emotions more effectively. So I think all the, we got thrown into the situation for so many of us. I had been working, not remotely, but working on global teams. So managing and being managed primarily remotely, even if I was in an office and had thought a lot about how do you connect with people? What do you use to build those bridges? And what are the important things? You know, I think about like team building. I put this on LinkedIn, people went bananas, but competitive team building is really useful. People are like, oh, I don't like competitive, but like, you don't have to like be, you know, it doesn't have to be a fight to the death softball game. That can be really uncomfortable for people who are bad at softball and it can be uncomfortable for people who lose, but something where it's sort of an even playing field, let's say mini golf, it's a pretty even playing field. You know, giving teams a way to connect and figure out what the other is, um, is a great way to build empathy. You want to sort of create that parochial team empathy, obviously giving them the context, whether that's yeah. explaining what emojis do or being in person so you have more context about each other. And we talked about this in the beginning, but like as a manager, you have to like really have yourself in order. Am I um, on my best game? Because of our computing power as a human, particularly our ability to understand emotions goes totally down. If you are in yourself in a bad mood, If you're tired, if you aren't scheduling your day in a way that puts you on your best self, you can't really be that kind of manager. And you certainly can't listen and like reflect back what other people need to hear. Yeah, I think just to end that point on the competitive things, I think those little game type of things actually allow people to to lower the masks, you mm-hmm, know, and, absolutely. and all of a sudden we're kind of being who we are because we're in the moment of that thing. Do you, is there a rhythm for like, you know, for every five Zoom calls, you need to have a you know phone call. I mean, is there some sort of rhythm that you think is working for people so that they've got the right amount of, of personal engagement versus getting work done? I think it, yes, but everyone's is different. Right. And what do you need? And I think it can be helpful to keep a diary for a week or two and say, how are my energy levels? Do I feel lonely? Do I feel connected? And particularly for people who have control over, say, team building and offsites to sort of keep checking the pulse where, how are we doing on this? How are we doing on that feeling? Okay. These, let's say that you're using some sort of software and there are scores. We're starting to drop here on a feeling of connectedness. Mm-hmm. We need to have an offsite because yes, absolutely. I think there's a rhythm, but everybody's rhythm is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about the last one I wanted to touch on, and that's feedback. Mm. Um, so, you know, I can't see the pictures on your desk. I can't. I don't really know what's going on in your world. And yet, I am going to tell you what you are doing right or doing wrong. And, you know, is that has that really suffered, or is there a way to make that a useful exercise when we're not in person? I think the biggest problem is that if you're not face-to-face, you can avoid things really easily. And the longer you avoid giving a piece of feedback, the bigger it becomes. You know, if I tell you five minutes after a presentation, hey, I thought you went a little too fast or you skipped over this one key element or you lost the room, whatever it is. And I tell you right afterwards, that is a very different piece of feedback than if I schedule a meeting with you two weeks later and I'm like, I want to talk about how that presentation went you're going to perceive those very differently. And unfortunately, I can't catch you after the meeting now to deliver it like that. I almost always have to schedule it in some sense. And that puts more weight maybe on a lot of feedback that just needs to be given. It's an opportunity to improve. So I think 
the best way to deal with that is to really get into a habit, a rhythm of giving feedback. And so if you have a one-on-one with someone, you every time you give some feedback or you say, we're going to have an opportunity for feedback so that each, so that you never forget and that each one doesn't have to hold that much weight yeah. and doesn't have to be this big moment where you schedule it. Because I think, you know, some people are sitting at home stewing. Why did they schedule that medium? I'm sure. fired. Oh my God. Right. And some people are not good for them. <laughs> but, I, but I think a key thing that maybe people miss sometimes is feedback is received very differently based on the level of trust of the person. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the, for it to be effective, trust has to be there, right? So I mean, that's, in a lot of ways, that's what we're talking about here in empathy and listening is trust building, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think there are ways to get to build trust virtually. You know, you have some team building opportunities that are very, right. like very emotional and very opening. You know, you have life mapping where you're sort of yeah, walking yeah. through with the team and saying all the highs, three highs and three lows of your life. You can only do that like in a kind of small group. You can't do that across an entire organization. And so I do think creating opportunities for people to get to know each other in person and creating formulas so that you can practice giving feedback. And again, if everyone gives more feedback, everyone gets better at doing it. And we need more feedback because you're not getting any, you're not getting any feedback of you tapping your pen during my presentation. I don't know that I'm boring people. It's completely silent on the other end. I can't see their faces. I can't hear them laughing. So I absolutely need that feedback. So I think getting to that place where we say feedback is not a bad thing. Feedback is a great thing. Well, particularly, I think if the, if it's perceived and hopefully communicated you know, over and over again by the person giving the feedback is, I want you to succeed. I want you to get better, right? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So I think that's the truth. So tell people where they can find find you first yes. off if they want to chat with you, but then obviously uh, how to win friends and manage. Absolutely. Absolutely. So mostly I'm on LinkedIn. It's McKenna Swayze, but I also have a website, of course, McKennaSwayze.com. And then how to win friends and manage remotely is available from all your favorite booksellers, including Amazon, Barnes and Noble, et cetera. And I assume one of the ways people engage you is to help them set some of these things up that we're talking exactly, about. Exactly. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, McKenna, mm-hmm. thanks so much for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And hopefully we'll run into you one of these days out there on the road. Absolutely. Have a great afternoon. Hey, and one final thing before you go, you know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand where you stand in that, what needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy. So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing Strategy Assessment. You can find it at marketingassessment.co, not .com, .co. Check out our free marketing assessment and learn where you are with your strategy today. That's just marketingassessment.co. I'd love to chat with you about the results that you get.